Welcome to Connect This Rylus Edition. So, who has any idea if anyone can hear or see us? Um, I don't because I'm trying to figure things out. I just got back on a plane last night. I'm getting on a plane again tomorrow. So, temporarily in town, but excited to be around my my three best co-host buds uh, for this show. Uh, we'll go with Kim first because Kim's the most enthusiastic. Kimberly McKinley from Utopia Fiber. Welcome back to another fun episode. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just have a question for you. Where do you have diamond or platinum status on Delta yet? I think I would need to do two extra flights this year. To, uh, I have like more than enough miles to go diamond, uh, but I haven't spent enough money on Delta to be diamond. And that's only because they combined the two years together. Um, uh, otherwise I would have, usually I'm right at that threshold of platinum. Okay. Fair enough. Next yeah. year, Chris, next year. you're better than me. You're like, you're probably like super diamond. I'm guessing I go to Orlando tomorrow, but I think I should, I, I'll be just shy of dive if I don't hit it this year by like yeah. a few dollars. I might just plan a trip across country just to hit it. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I did that one year. It's kind of silly. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, Doug Dawson so, from so CCG. Miles. I am I am lifetime platinum on American US Air. So that's not bad. So yeah, I have uh, I have uh, more than half a million lifetime like real miles. Um, yeah. That's the yeah. one I've been trying to keep track of. Um, I passed but... five million at some point. So yeah. Oof. Yeah. And now you won't even come out to a live show. Doug no, Dawson no. from CCG. Today is my email vacation since I use Rackspace and we don't have email today. It's been out for 12 hours now. So some sort of major big catastrophe going on. So. Yeah. I mean, probably. I'm, I'm really afraid what happens when they finally give me a whole days of email. <laughs> like what seven things that emergencies did i not address today? well there's a couple of panicked emails from me doug it's ah. 12 minutes before the show where are you so ah. I'll, I'll ignore those travis carter usi fiber welcome hello all i'm i'm trying to come up with some witty comment for my tinfoil status on all airlines but um yes i i don't envy you all one year i tried to be you know when i was international flying and um that's sad are you john madden do you just hate flying or you just don't find it that you don't go to I any just, you know what i did so much traveling when i was young i just really don't find you know unless you're going on vacation all that interesting but i will join you all one day next year for a show somewhere and i think it's that orlando what do they call it broadband connect fiber connect probably fiber connect yep and that's you know, the front you, runner right you could now. talk me into orlando so yeah okay all right. Well, then it's let's. Orlando <laughs> I don't. I don't like Orlando. But my wife does. So if it goes oh, okay. Orlando, I'll, I'll like go that. anywhere if Doug's going to go there. So yeah, yeah. Maybe <laughs> that's what I'll do. Wherever Doug goes, I'll go. So yeah. Let's let's put that one on the calendar. So <laughs> speaking about that, Kim goes that, everywhere. Sorry, I'm not Kim. <laughs> Would you like a minute to rebut, Kim? <laughs> no, I'm good. Thank you, <laughs> Travis. Do you want to talk about your new purchase? Which one? The, the one you just got the first thing, the first time USI has purchased a. Oh, I can't believe this. After what, 12, 13 years of uh, rolling fiber out, we're so far behind this year. We had to buy our first snowblower to blow wow. out the tops of handholes to populate them with terminals. So, yes, what do you I, do if they're frozen? Like you got water in there that's frozen? Well, there's, there's two ways to do it. Um, there is the manufacturer. Hopefully, Quasite's not listening. There's the, you know, you know, put hot water on it to break them out. 
or there's the version that teams get used more often than not, which is the sledgehammer model. Ooh. And you break the you break the <laughs> So every year I have a budget item for about 50 lids that uh, we go around and have to replace them. Um, hopefully most of the time though, if you do a good job, you don't have to go in them in the winter. So so what's going on? Did you have more installs or your teams just uh hit um, by the no, we, we made a we made an error and we did a joint build with a um, city and their sense of urgency was very different than our sense of urgency. So the um, urgency got completed last week. So now that problem in these fiber networks is you have all, it's like dominoes, right? You have to do all these pieces. Well, if the domino right in the middle isn't done, you can't do the rest. So that was completed. So anyways, now we can cascade and finish the rest. But as you know, Mr. Mitchell, our weather has so lovely here that it is cold enough and icy. I have a question for you, Travis, though. Hmm? So were you really shocked that the urgency a city had was different than your urgency? I just wanted to... Uh, sometimes I watch this podcast and I'm so, you know, like build once or what do they call it, Doug? Make ready once, dig once. or something. Dig once. You know, dig once. And I'm like, you know what? We should really eat what we promote. Oh, such a bad strategy. <laughs> do your own deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> then you can set your own timeline and set your own expectations. So I'll leave it at that. Is that a good politically correct way to say it, Mr. Mitchell? He's been trying to teach me. Uh, to I'm absolutely it. not trying to teach you that. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're just trying to hook people up. That's all we're trying to do. Did I you have more this got, year than the previous? We got the message clear. He just said Travis is yeah. not a team player. I am not a <laughs> yeah. team player. Yes, yes. No, I mean, I, I but I, so the reason that I'm not going to sit in here and defend governments, although I think that there's a lot of reasons why dig once does make sense in a lot of scenarios. I think people that want local governments to work have to hear this, have to hear the reality of what happens when things don't get done on time, when when you don't understand the incentives that your partners have and things like that. So I think well, it's a valuable I, I, I will say, though, that what I do appreciate from all the local governments is they do lay out a plan for projects that they do have coming up so that we can be, you know, we, we can do some construction this year in areas that maybe won't go live till 2026, but they are pretty transparent there. So I would say anybody that is building a network, make sure that you do work with your local community to get involved in future steps. Don't wait until the last minute and then try to wedge yourself in. Or if there's going to be a moratorium on the exactly uh, on the road because they're repaving or doing whatever, just make sure because I think that is one of the pitfalls I see all the time is the moratoriums that are put on roads that we can't go under it, you can't pothole it, you can't do anything, and it's uh, just go. Or, and then yep. that makes you go a whole different route, maybe a mile down the road to cut across. So it's just understand all of those pitfalls. And, and I'm not trying to say that this is a that there's anything malicious here. This is just the way they do it. You know, this is the way they've been doing business for 30, 40 years. And our need to have conduit run immediately is not, it's, we're just part of the process. So anyways, live and learn. But anyways, we have a nice new snowblower. If you'd like to come take a look at it, Chris, it's pretty fancy. I would like to ask him about what's going on in Utopia. Um, What are you talking about, Chris? You got you got debt change, changes we, to the we debt. Do. We do have debt. Um, if anybody knows the Utopia story pretty well, there is two organizations under the Utopia umbrella, Utopia and UIA. UIA is about what we have been growing under since 2009, but the original Utopia debt was approximately $185 million. It was a, under a bad financial structure, 
in which when the can we pause there for a second yes like wasn't this something like goldman sachs like hooked you up with like back in the day like they just screwed you and like this is one of the many cases of which like you're just really dumb if you're doing business with goldman sachs because they're just going to screw you i cannot say any names um but it's been an interesting past mr mitchell and so uh, i could be wrong about that i don't also like i'm sure they have a lot of lawyers so like i just remember reading newspaper <laughs> articles about it and which it seemed like i don't know that your interests were not well looked out for by uh your partner in that I think there was a lot of things behind the scenes and I am not um, as educated on those to speak on them. But what did happen this past week with interest rates rising, we could get out of this bad financial structure. And in the past week, uh, we went to market with about $200 million uh, to the bond market. And we had about $3 billion worth of orders on that. So some of the maturity rates were 20 times oversubscribed. Uh, that the true interest cost that came in on all of that debt was about 4.17. So you're wow. seeing a huge demand in this space. I think that contradicts a lot of what people are saying right now, that there is not a huge demand for these projects. I still think that the market is very ripe for these projects. And we're just, we were, I mean, I was astonished when I heard some of those numbers coming out uh, that day. And I even think some of our financial partners were a little bit astonished as well to see that kind of demand. I just came yes. up with that. Yes, yes, Utopia is Tay. Was it? It's like Tay Tay or something. Tay Tay. I think that's right. I don't. I don't know. I've only. So I only first heard a song by her last year. Because, this year, because <laughs> because that's the life I lead. Doug, Who were you going to comment on the debt? She's everywhere. No, I'm just. I'm thrilled because I'm helping someone take a bond to market next week. That sounds great. So yeah. Well, okay. So can I ask some questions then, or is it please? Uh, no. About Taylor Swift, I hope not. <laughs> I don't even know who that is, but um, okay. So um, the um, so the question I have, maybe it's for Doug because he sees more of these financials. Mm -hmm. How was it possible? I mean, Utopia had a big number they're taking out. Mm -hmm. They've got we we learned what a couple of weeks ago that you know they've got a very substantial subscriber base. I'm assuming mm -hmm. so. Very is that why they were able to attract such low interest? I just want people to be clear on. Who would qualify for such low rates? Because, like, we don't, but we don't, we have a similar subscriber base, but we don't have anywhere near that amount of debt. So, I'm just First, curious. There's two answers. One yes. is it's tax free debt on the bond market, which is not the same as banks. So, yep. here the, the buyers bid what they are willing to, to pay for it. And so, it's simply an open auction upon the, the big folks who buy bonds, right? Mm -hmm. And so, that, so that makes now normally the the interest rates between bonds and, and the banks aren't that different. But right now, because of the economy, we have some of this weird stuff going on. That's way below bank rates right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, so, you know, so, so the, you know, that's the number one reason. Secondly, it's the time of the year. December is the yeah. slowest year of the year to, to sell municipal bonds, and they're always oversubscribed in December. So you, you have all these real, real specific market things going on, too, so. But independent <coughs> operators do not qualify for this type. Yeah, you, but yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure people understand that. Right? Well, now there, there is a junk bond market. AT and T actually raises all their equity through. They're called junk yeah. bonds, but obviously they're not junk. But but they, you know, but they 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 do corporate bonds, but they're not tax free. So. Okay, got it. Right, and and one of the issues, as I understand it, although I'm not an expert on this, Kim might be able to correct me because Kim is an expert on this. Um, is that uh, the tax-free bonds um, cannot be used with some of these public-private partnerships because tax-free bonds have to be used without any like single uh, individual or company getting a, a like a real benefit from it. it. Has to be for the general public benefit. 
Yeah, and, they can't and, they can't benefit a commercial provider, right? Okay. And this debt had already been spent. This is just more of a restructuring of debt. So this money has already been spent on projects. It was just more of a better financial situation for our partners and our cities um, for this. And it is a, a safer bet because this debt uh, from the Utopia early years is backed by sales tax revenue. So it is a very safe right. bet as well. I, I just wanted to be clear on it because like where Kim is in the you know uh, bond market, those that are running you know, outside of that should look to pay right now somewhere seven and a half, eight percent for their money. So no, that's, that's, that's all of you. Everyone else is at six and a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> I just I want to say for Travis, um, you know, hey, um, Joe Biden, thanks for rescuing Utopia on uh, this debt situation. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I the good with the bad. Right. So <laughs> do some one other thing. Speaking about the good with the bad, Kim, what else happened with Utopia? <laughs> Big week um, at Utopia Fiber. I think last after last week's show, and we had talked about the maps. That was a show where we talked about how the maps were bad and the FCC sucks and everyone else is terrible and we're great for recognizing that. Yeah, that I found out that uh, when we uploaded our maps onto the FCC site, there were some errors that got put in there. And uh, it was really funny that it happened probably 30 minutes after the, we left the last show. And I was like, great, that mm -hmm. I just criticized the maps and were part of the problem. But I think that really showcases what is out there is that it's easy to make a mistake, even from the ISP front, and that we have it on ourselves to reevaluate the data that we submitted and to make sure that it is accurate because millions of dollars are at stake if these maps are inaccurate. And the mapping is complex as all hell. It's terrible. Yeah. So, Travis, were you going to say something about your? Uh, you have a, a challenge that's. Yeah, I, we 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 got an email in from something that looked very official as a challenge, and um, so we we addressed the challenge and I guess resolved the challenge. But yeah, we have we had one challenge come in after after the maps went up. So so so, far, so good. We, uh, after that last show, we did spend the weekend in, or maybe I don't remember when time is, doesn't work. Um, at some point we did this show with this work with, uh, groups of folks from, um, uh, uh, from, um, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, rural communities and, uh, working with them on things like how to do the map challenges. And we did that the weekend right after the maps had come out and, in fact, I think I flew out that day that we did our show. And, uh, and you know, we've been talking with some of these folks for months about, like, how we're going to have to do these map challenges. And they're like, yeah, like, that's important. We're going to get it done. And then we went over how to do it. And they're looking at it. And they're like, what? You, we, this like, we is, can't do that. How are we going <laughs> to? Not only that, but, like, we're going to do this over Thanksgiving and Christmas? We have to do this by, like, the first week of January? What? Like, are you – who came up with this idea? This is ridiculous. Like, and they're like, no, I mean, this is a group of people, some of whom were elected officials, some of whom were uh, were or local activists or teachers or people that want to improve their community. And they're just like, we, how, how are we going to do this? Like, go street by street? Like, how are we even going to divide it up so that people can try to check it and figure that – And and I was just like, yeah, and they're the ones that know about it. Most local governments don't even know they're supposed to be doing this. It's god-awful. It is. I did hear that the state broadband offices yesterday came together to ask the FCC for more time. Uh, I don't know if that's going to go anywhere, but I think that is the only solution to help get the word out to be able to challenge these maps. 
Yeah. In fact, what would be great is if they um, they actually didn't give more time. They allowed for a couple of days of indignant articles and people like me shouting to get the attention out. And then they gave more time. That, strategically, that would be smart. If they just give more time, people aren't going to pay attention. They have to let the window close and then reopen it to actually get that full cycle of attention out there. I think. Or get you more press. Is that what we're trying to go after? Too? <laughs> doesn't have to be me. I mean, I, I'll, I'll take a long vacation if someone else wants to do it. <laughs> so regarding the maps though uh we have other issues right um local governments they don't know they're supposed to do this it's over thanksgiving and christmas which is just ridiculous um everyone's busy um i'm curious if, if anyone doug i'll start with you uh, what's your feeling about the fact that they haven't put community anchors on the map you know the shelby folks are upset about that it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to me but i wasn't i haven't dug too deeply into it i don't understand the reasoning because one of the uses in the hierarchy of B grants are to serve anchor institutions. Mm -hmm. You do unserved and then you can do underserved and anchor institutions. Like, well, if they're not on the map, how can I even talk about this? So I, I'm not sure that why they did that, but that was a very obvious decision. There was Q and A's written and they told everybody not to do it. So I, I don't understand why you would leave anybody off the map. I think what their reasoning was if you've got a city hall with gigabit speed sitting in a town with DSL, it can make map distorted, but it's like, I can see that it's one dot. I don't personally don't see how that distorts anything, but I'm, that might've been their reasoning. I don't know. So. Is this macroeconomics with Chris in the like form Mula? I don't understand right here. Uh, I think, I think there's an escape character that like, it just dropped the, uh, the, the slash uh, for some reason. Um, Did you but, type uh, that in? Uh, I sure, cut yeah. and paste it. Ah, well, you did a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you should just be excited. We have banners when when Rye is in here. Well, I'm pretty <laughs> impressed that there's banners. Yes. So, no, talk about the maps. I mean, now that we're digging into them, we're just seeing crazy stuff. I mean, Starlink is claiming 350 megabit download. Verizon Wireless in your state, Minnesota, is claiming gigabit fixed cellular wireless in rural areas. Gigabit. Really? Yeah. Well, like in you, 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 in your story, you talked about Vermont, and I had that quote ready here. Um, um, the uh, the department in Vermont uh, Public Service uh, alleged that 11% of locations in the federal database did not match Vermont's own database, and another 22% of addresses in the Vermont database did not even appear in the federal right. database. And that's the biggie. The second one is the ones if they're not in there, you don't get the dollar credit. For but it. that's okay because local governments have a few days between Thanksgiving and Christmas where their schedule isn't already booked out to fix yeah. all of that. I don't know what they're whining about. <laughs> 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 but, but yes, on top of that, it's really going to be a complicated challenge because we don't know, is the FCC just going to take your challenge and force it into the map? How could they possibly have time to evaluate these things, right? Well, I mean, and that's what talk about the Vermont one. That's thirty-three thousand places changing on the map. Who's going to look at it to see that Vermont didn't just make it up? They could, right? <laughs> and they would have an incentive to. They do um, have an incentive to, right? ISPs have been cheating, so why not let the states cheat too? Let's just right, calm down, Doug. Calm down. Yes, <laughs> I. There's there's also the issue of um, I think you you're not even required to submit evidence, but like. Um, how are they? How are they going to evaluate that? It doesn't seem like I can't it will be possible. Of, it's not possible. I mean, yeah. I think that's the point from our perspective as an ISP. How do you prove it? What do you go like take a picture of the fiber that's all, like at the corner? Oh, we're not even talking about availability. We're talking about whether it is a structure that could be a residence or a business. 
that should have access. Like this is the lo- this is the location challenges that are due soon. The availability challenges is yet another whole thing. And I'm really curious to see like um, you know this ridiculous we, in the last show we talked about the wife the the wireless company that that tells the FCC you can do a gigabit symmetrical to my house using unlicensed and then I go to their website and it's like would you like 2 or 3 megabits a second for $300 a month or something like that. And by the way they can't actually deliver that either. Right. Yes. <laughs> if I if I'll just put that 24 24- tower on my on my roof <laughs> did you challenge it Update? i've i haven't yet i'm planning on it it's uh um i need to i need to actually i was going to like actually do the proper thing which is i was going to call them and request the gigabit symmetrical service rather than just going through their web form and see what happens when i go through that and i haven't had the time to do that here's some surprising some folks told the utter truth t-mobile in my house claimed two tenths of a megabit speed right <laughs> no, that two tenths is showing up in a bunch I, of places, and I believe it. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, but but it's like, really, why did that's not broadband? Why that's that's like dial-up? Why did you bother putting that in? <laughs> yeah, no, and I just, I mean, we started this with talking about the community anchors, and um, I, I can't understand that this whole thing about how they're like, oh, we're just tracking mass market service, whatever. It's like, oh, well, okay, but like, it's a national broadband map, like you haven't. Like, how hard is it to figure out what the schools have? Like, is that you're funding most of it through the E-rate program? Like, how right. do you, you have the data, right? Like, I'm sure there's like 10% of schools or something that aren't on E-rate, but like almost well, all every, of them are. Who has an ISP? They know the speeds exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, it's almost like when you're a national regulatory organization, you shouldn't spend more than a decade ignoring the need to collect accurate data, wait until you suddenly have are responsible for tens of billions of dollars, and then scramble to be like, oh, crap, I forgot to do my homework. Hey, Joey, can you help me like quick write this report or something? Wait, um, a, minute. wait a minute. Is this mapping all Joey's fault? I didn't. That's new. <laughs> So I'm curious, and Travis, I'm I'm curious if you have any reaction to this. But like, um, in the um, uh, regarding that the 5G, you know, T-Mobile with the point two to Doug's place, and um, uh, I've just been seeing more and more stories pop up where uh, in the in the business press, and I think in the financial press, where they're like, hey, like AT&T and Verizon don't have tons of new revenues because of 5G. Who's going to pay for all of this like cost to upgrade these networks when no one even cares? Well, I mean, aren't we on a 6G now or 7G? Oh, no, I, we, we, I can explain 6G. Now. Yeah, yeah, okay. This week. They, 5G used to be the whole way up to 100 gigahertz. Now they've decided that the 20 to 50 gigahertz is now going to be 6G, even though you can already use that bandwidth. Yeah, so the carriers all got together, and now they're going to announce a 6G. This is going to allow them to get to 7, 8, 9G with existing spectrum. So, oh, yeah. I mean, Chris, yeah. 5, 5G so last year. But I mean, this is, this <laughs> yeah. is like, I mean, let's just go through this. And Doug, you can keep me honest here. Cause like you track this stuff too. Like, like I, I still don't know. Did AT&T and Verizon really think that I wanted to pay another $20 a month to have a modest increase in speed that they can't even deliver? Like, 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 were they just lying? We all assumed, oh. I assumed that they were lying for the past five years about the wonders of 5G. Sure, oh, they, completely, they completely lied. Remember they were trying to get huge federal subsidies and, and they did get a lot of spectrum given to them. They cried, need spectrum, need spectrum, need spectrum, and they got it. That's why they had Washington all stirred up. No, they never thought that people would spend $20 a month. Their business all plan said it. And now for the past two years, we're seeing them going, you know, we're really trying, we're really not finding any market uses for 5, for 5G. <laughs> That's right. No, nobody's willing to pay more for it. 
So. Yeah, I um, I was with um, uh, with uh, colleagues over this week um, at a retreat for my organization, the Institute for Local Self Reliance. Wonderful, wonderful people. Just even more. I don't know how they let me hang out with them, but um, it was uh, re- really reinforced the rate. Two of them were talking about how when uh, they're both in one's in South Minneapolis and the other is uh, in California. And both of them were describing how when their phones were on 5G, they uh, would have much less reliable service. And they just come to expect that. They didn't often get it in this like in um, this part of California that's a little bit more rural on the coast. Uh, but when they did, it, it didn't work that well. And now that they were in town, I was asking them if their phone was heating up because I have the Pixel 7 and I keep 5G turned off because of the battery performance and everything else. And, um, and I just think it's hilarious. Like... <laughs> You know, and like Wall Street is just figuring out now that like this was a, a good bet when smart people were telling them all along it was a bad bet. There's also a glitch where your where plain old voice doesn't work as well on 5G. So yeah, yeah. Travis, you're going to say something. Uh, the twenty dollars is just so that you have that little 5G logo in the upper right hand corner of your screen to make you feel better. You know, so yes, yeah. just, just to be clear, no, I mean it's. That it was never, you know, it's it's the age old wireless conversation. Call it five G, call it Starlink, call it this, call it that. It's all the same stuff, right? And I, I always get a kick out of how the whole industry is just so amazed by the latest wireless thing, right? And it they rarely, if ever, pan out to be that much better. Travis, go ahead, Kim. Well, we've taught the industry and taught consumers and everything that the newest stuff that comes out is better than the old stuff. It, this is marketing 101 of what is happening right now. So, yes, I get what you're saying, Travis, but I mean, this is what people yeah. do. And by the way, Ruthie got mentioned last week and she's really um, wanting to be on the show. <laughs> nice. so happy she is, huh? Welcome, Ruthie. Yes. Well, my, my new one that I thought was kind of funny is now some of the wireless providers are starting to go well fiber only lasts 25 years so it's a short-lived asset as well was that you chris that brought that up somebody brought that up recently and i'm like yeah that makes sense but that's what that that's how they're trying to start justify that because as as the industry continues to talk about how you have to uplift every three four or five years wireless technology apparently kim you're gonna have to pull everything out in another 15 years and i'll put it all back in so well, our first customer was lit up in probably 2006. So we're almost having to replace yeah. that. You, you're, yeah, you're end of life. We're end of life right yeah, now. That's end of life. It's showing. It's really showing yeah. that, that that fiber is um, going to be yeah. useless in five years. I, I would be concerned as well. So, well, no, so I think manufacturers won't tell you the real life of fiber because they are afraid of the liability of it. Yeah. But I've had private conversations with engineers at Corning who are guessing that it's at least 75 years, but they can't, they won't yeah. say that out loud. The league, the lawyers won't let them do it, but it's, it's certainly not 25 years. So. so, so Chris, here's what we should, we should do every December. We should have the amazing wireless conversation of the year. <laughs> so in 2022, what did we have? 5G, Tarana. Oh God, Tarana was amazing, right? That was going to change everything. Was there any other like amazing? Starlink. Oh, Starlink. Those Starlink. are that's our hat trick for 2022. Well, we also have the FWA. We oh, have Verizon and T-Mobile doing yeah. it everywhere. I mean, again, in rural Minnesota, they're claiming gigabit speeds on cellular. Are they? Wow. They are gigabit. Full rural areas. Full duplex gigabit. Well, we've lost Chris. Yeah. I was like, we lost Chris. Who wants, and you two are just keeps wants, talking. 
we, we lost our host. I think I think Kim's our new host now. What huh? if we're not even on air anymore? <laughs> I'm just on the spotlight until he gets back. It's possible I, yeah. we're not even on air. <laughs> we're just um, talking to ourselves. Huh? <laughs> you guys are having a robust conversation about wireless right there. Uh, well, Doug, how often, you know, in all of your, because you deal with a lot of different ISPs, is this just a standard conversation every single day? Yes. Yeah. I mean, is it, it's just over and over and over again. Kim, do you ever have people that question fiber and say, every well, day. we, okay. Every day, because that, that's the thing. They hear all the advertising. They hear all the incumbents coming out saying this is the newest thing. And we've always been taught that like the cars are going to get better. Everything yeah. is going to get better. Nothing that happened 10 years ago is going to be the best solution going forward. And this is the one thing that I can think of is, is still um, like years ahead of anything else. And I, I just think that it's the, yeah, we've never seen anything else ha have this kind of lifespan. I've been um, asked, I'm asked every week, what's going to replace fiber? And they don't like it when I say nothing. Well, or you say, what can go faster than the speed of light? Right. And then that usually shuts down the conversation. So what's going to replace fiber would be new fiber 75 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I've always been of the mindset and I try to, you know, even our, our lenders, I, I always try to go with the whole, yes, the speed of light thing that seems to resonate with people, but also the real value, even more than the fiber is the conduit. You know, Kim, do you guys put in an extra conduit when you pull? Yeah. So you're you're future proof. So are we. And you know, I assume Doug, you recommend your people. Oh yeah, you, you can yeah. be good for hundreds of years with a conduit, right? Yeah. You, you put in extra. I mean, there's always cases that you're going to need more, and that you're going to have to rerun some of it. But you try to anticipate the growth. Here in Utah, we've seen like astronomical growth um, in some of these areas and new home developments, and we weren't even anticipating some of that. Uh, but for the most part, we put extra capacity in everything that we do because you want to be prepared. You do not want to run another fiber line um, through some conduits just to hit an another area or whatnot. Yeah, you could you could do it all with electronics. You can get, I mean, you can always get a whole lot more bandwidth without putting new fiber in. Yeah. So, so I always divert the conversation away from wireless versus, say, fiber. I, and then I talk try to talk fiber technology. Do you want to do ActiveE? Do you want to do GPON, XGS PON? Those are the conversations we should be happening or we should be having, you know. I do have a question. I, I'm hearing from everybody, everybody. I mean, you, the U.S. is a pond like factory, yeah. right? That's what we see in the U.S. Are we seeing, Doug, more people go to Activity or is everybody just going to pond still? No, it's worldwide. It's going to pond. And the, and the, the major reason is that's where all the research and development is. Mm -hmm. There's very little research and development on Active. I mean, Active works great. But, and so, but there's not a whole lot of labs working on it the same way they are pond and so the whole world is going to pond i mean that's going to be 10, 10 or 20 years from now active will be harder it'll get more expensive to buy eventually so crash um, coming back chris said you know actually kim i don't know about you but we're uh we're we're r and uh some xgs pond right now for that exact reason where we had areas that let's just say it was a farm field and now it is um you know it's a it's a booming subdivision didn't actually plan our our conduit network to to compensate for that so you know we're gonna we're gonna have kind of these areas the other the other thing that we talk about with our active e is time to time to restore service you know pond it's like okay so you have 144 fibers you know you can do that in your sleep in like you know 90 mm -hmm. minutes if you gotta if you gotta splice back together a 3,000 you know fiber cable 
Well, you know, that's that's a lot. It takes takes quite some time. It gets a little interesting. It gets sure. a, little, a lot of caffeine is involved. I think one of the reasons that we are, we are active, and I I can't say that we will move a different direction, but one of the reasons is that we get challenged of that like incumbents will say, well, we can't run on your network if it's a pond network. Yeah. There is no reason. There's no a, reason. Yeah. A big carrier could not run on an active network. So it almost shuts down that political statement and, and it stops that argument from happening. So that's well, it's kind of interesting because in Springfield, Illinois or Missouri, where CenturyLink is on it, they want it pond. I mean, so it's just a matter of preference. You yeah. can do it. You can do open access. Yeah. I'm a huge fly. fan. Of, I'm a huge fan of active And the reason we went with it was, technology agnostic we weren't stuck mm -hmm. into somebody's like ecosystem and mm -hmm. then you know i know a lot of people out there that are running pod networks are stuck in like calyx's system or they're stuck in now my understanding of xgs pond is it's it is more of an open standard so you can mix and match hardware vendors but um yeah no that that's why and and i'm glad we did because during all this supply chain issue we never really had a problem because we could just switch around between three or four different vendors that's exactly hey, I have a question for y'all. If we've been off air the entire time and we come back, can we just summarize this conversation? Right. Fiber good, wireless yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Chris, said, Chris said crash coming back. Okay. I mean, it does say you're in the show. So, I mean, okay. it could be recording. I don't somewhere. know. Tom, Juan, Mike, any of you guys see us still? Or are we just chatting to ourselves? I mean, I'm cool either way. So, you know. <laughs> you know what it is? Ruthie just really wanted to be on the show. So she like crashed um, Chris's computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was probably from the millions of people who came in to watch her. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly. my theory. Yes. The, 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 the geriatric cat. Was oh, oh, no. Anytime a cat comes on the internet, it's over. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting point. No one is uh, saying that, that, that uh, responding to us. So you don't see Chris. That was at 1233. But they, can you see us? Oh, no. I see oh, no, 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 no. see us. I just logged into YouTube, and there's it looks like three people watching now. No, so. they, they, oh, no, no. They, they oh, Ruben's there. Yeah. No, we're on air. So yeah, no. We haven't, we haven't not used this opportunity to talk about Chris. Yeah, no, we should. Well, come on. <laughs> I'm going to give him crap because it's probably his Windows machine. He's probably waiting for his 37 virus scanners to update to get back logged in. You know? <laughs> hey, you, you laugh about that, but I right in the middle of me doing something very important, my computer decided to update. Like, I was yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, yeah, blue, yeah, blue screen. Oop. Yeah. Oop. Yeah. I think we've all had technical difficulties on this show where our computers have shut <laughs> off or our internet connections have gone bad. Yeah, Charter gets me from time to time. I've never had internet connectivity issues on it, but I have had some other issues at times. But no, I think we're good. Um, for those who want to know, her name is Ruthie Bader Katzberg. And she <laughs> is 11 years old and she has one tooth and oh. she's never been a cat. So nice. I adopted her during COVID because who's going to adopt? Who's going to adopt this cat? And this is how sad it is. They said, name your own cost, like name how much you pay, because they couldn't get rid of her. Oh, yeah. Ruthie. Well, now she has a good, so she hangs out by herself most of the time while you're traveling, huh? Okay, that's just mean. But no, yes. no, 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 no that, that, that's my kind of deal. Yeah. That's hey, all. I, I like that. Oh, hello, Wait, Mr. Chris. Is back. Oh, back? <laughs> I have we've, we've, no we've idea what that was, but like, that, yeah. it was very weird. Um, some kind of peripheral issue with a dock, and then just I couldn't reboot. And I tried a different computer, only like then there I'm not authorized. And without Rye to reauthorize me, I couldn't get in unless I could get my computer working again. So 
Well, anyway, we had a very, had a very conversation. robust conversation about I wish, versus wireless. Yeah. I heard parts of it. I wish that uh, we had a chance to see like the numbers to see if they really started picking up. Boom, as like yeah, it um, went, we went to like went a thousand, we went to a thousand viewers. Now we're back down to four. I don't know what happened. So, yeah. <laughs> right. um, and I'll translate for you. Chris ran out of minutes. He had to use his prepaid card to put uh, some more in. His, uh, yeah, so uh, that's really what it is. So. He had to scratch it off and put the code in. No, but I'll say for people who for the people who stuck around, like one of the people that uh, mentored me more than almost anyone else is Eric Lampland here in the Twin Cities, who um, talked about well, the lesson that he learned from ATM back in the day, uh, which was, in his opinion, a very elegant, terrific standard. And uh, he was saying that he learned that the best technology doesn't matter if it doesn't have the market share. Um, and so it doesn't matter if GPON is better or worse than... Um, the uh, active Ethernet, as long as uh, there's big companies buying it in tens of millions of units, that where that's where the action will be. And I think that's kind of what you were saying, Doug. Right. No, that's uh, after, we that was ten minutes ago. We're we're talking a whole different topic now. So yeah, we we really need a new topic. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so let you know that I was noticed when you left, and those two below me just sat there and kept talking for a good amount of time without yeah. even noticing that you left. <laughs> Chris, who? Travis, Travis I, want you to, I want you to notice that she considers you to be below her, just so you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> On my screen, you were below me. What Travis, oh, Starlink her. speeds have dropped again. And and I, I don't forget if it was you or Doug saying that like that Starlink is claiming 350 megabits in some places, but double-digit decrease again from the latest measurements from what I saw. Uh, are you worried? Uh, okay, so I got a few comments on Starlink. So first off, what I've noticed on the Starlink forums ever since they put a data cap on there, we don't have 5,000 speed tests a day anymore happening and people posting them. So that's kind of cool. Uh, secondarily, remember Starlink is a wireless technology, so it doesn't surprise me. And lastly, now that they've released their commercial high gain dish that I now have, I am less worried about that. So so, but uh, if the speeds fall and cut or cut in half, your position is that it's still wonderful. The speeds cut in half will be irrelevant as far as the usability of it. Um, and compared to the other options, which is LTE or in a lot of cases, 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi, I'll take Starlink any time over that. You just got to outrun the bear. Now, remember yeah. something interesting he just said here. When they give commercial guys more priority everyone else gets less priority that sure. remember the net neutrality conversation about paid priority that's exactly what they're doing you know so. oh yeah and also um i just said it exactly wrong uh you don't have to outrun the bear you gotta outrun your friend um yeah. you gotta outrun the others that's but y'all know what i meant but but it's ironic so 5g 4g um wi-fi starlink you know they're all the same they're basically all the same right so it, they all will slow down with more users. This is the conversation we had before. Anywhere where Utopia is or USI or any of their fiber networks are available, the cable network and the wireless networks are pretty awesome in those areas, right? So let's say let's say Kim and I take 50% of the users and we put them on the fiber network. Everything else will be pretty good. So that's that's where you're constantly how much, even if you have the best fiber network in an area, what is the maximum market share you'll ever get? So 80, 90% is my experience, which is not if you have common. Two fiber providers, you think that one can get 80 or 90% or do you think it's, um, cause I, I guess I'm misunderstanding Travis's question. Cause like, say 
two fiber providers are in the same. Do you think that in the same city, do you think that one can get 80% over the other? No, of course not. No. Well, unless, unless the one is just dreadful. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's where I would come back to like frontier. And the question is, is over what time frame? I mean, you know, even where we have municipal fiber against uh, fiber against cable, uh, you know, in a lot of places, it tops out at sort of 50, 60 percent market share. But you go to Cedar Falls, Iowa, where you got, you know, Mediacom cable there and CenturyLink basically abandoning the market because they have like two percent market share. Um, the Cedar Falls fiber has like 80, 80 percent, 90 percent if you count all the services, I think. And there's other and there's other municipals have been around for a while with eighty percent market share. I mean that they eventually get there, right? Well, what yeah. happens is people don't go back to cable once. Yeah. Once the, to a big cable company, you, you have to throw out the Northeast where we have Verizon, FiOS, and Comcast because they're both equally dreadful to people, so they bounce back and forth. But nobody leaves a municipal or a small ISP to go back to cable. They just don't do it. You don't. And how's your churn, Travis? No, I mean, and we compete against another, we compete against another fiber provider, cable provider. I don't know how many of these wireless providers are around now, probably three or four, and we'll still easily surpass 50% of the market. In, and that's in- where I would ask Kim specifically um, with this, what we see is even where you have low switching costs on open, uh, open access networks. Uh, people don't want to switch. They get something that works. The price was, works for them. They're not, they're not. They're not looking. It doesn't matter what else is available. You see most switches on the Utopia Fiber Network with a person moving in, and it's more of a preference choice more than there's any issues with the service level. But that also comes comes into play that we vet the providers we want on our network very. Um, we're very harsh on the, the 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 vetting process of can you hit all these metrics because. Why let them on if they, they can't do the service level that we require for our residents? Um, Travis, whatever your name is. Um, <laughs> I can't be expected to learn people's names in fewer than 100 shows. How do you respond to Juan? Um, you know, I, I, you do have that certain segment of the population that is price sensitive. I will give you that. But the quality... And quite frankly, you know, and I've said this many, many times, when we first started in the internet business, if the internet was out for a few hours, people would go outside and play in their backyard and do other things. In 2022, if you miss two pings, man, you are the enemy of, 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 you know, you're the worst on planet earth. So people will pay for quality and consistency over price. Now I I will say there's, you know, 20% of the market that will just take the cheapest thing that's out there. But the vast majority of people, once you put it in and if you deliver every day, 24 by 7, it's reliable and consistently reliable. Your customer service is top notch. They won't move for a few dollars. But even if you have outages and you're transparent and you're open and you communicate with them, I think that that's the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Like, okay, let's take Rackspace, for instance. Doug, how do you know they're down? Your email's not working. Are they communicating with you in any way? My broadband's not down, so I, you know, I can see everything all about it on my on the web because there's a big news about them. So yeah. No, but are they are they communicating with you directly? No. no. Yeah. Well, how would he? So you know, yeah. So in our world, you know, I mean, if, if we have an outage, we will text you, and we will say we, there's an outage in your area. Here's the expect you know the expected repair time, and then we will constantly update them throughout this whole cycle. Kim, you're 100 percent right. If you don't communicate with them, you're just like everybody else. 
I mean, I imagine that we're Rackspace's third smallest customer. We're pretty far down the continent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but my point is, right, you're, you're just sitting there trying to run your business oh, yeah. with no information. Right. Yeah. And this is where it's worth noting that um, uh, we've seen interesting circumstances where a cable company has lowered prices and sent uh, a dozen or more uh, salespeople to an area. Uh, both against small, scrappy private companies as well as municipal networks. And I mean, one of my favorite examples in a community in Wisconsin, uh, Charter had picked up, like they had, they think they spent like three or four weeks there with like 10 people canvassing and they got 19 people to switch. And like 10 of them had come back within two months uh, from the <laughs> yeah, fiber yeah. network. So, oh, I, I go talk to people that are canvassing our area from the competitors and these poor folks, they hate it. If, if, if they knock on the door and they say they're using, you know, USI, they just say thank you and have a nice day. You know, they're just they're, they're not going to compete against it because here's the thing, you know, and I don't know. I, I won't speak for Kim, but we will out service and out support the com competition, period. Well, I, don't I want to respond to Juan as a reminder. It doesn't really matter if cable's cheaper because they're not cheaper. They're really expensive. They are. And they keep raising their rates. So. But no, what no. are you talking about? What What are you saying in that service? What suite of services for, or were they raising their prices for? Uh, well, Charter just had another $5 broadband rate increase across the board in November 1. So they continue to raise broadband prices. And this is where one of the stories we have in our rundown is uh, that the they're jacking up the broadcast surcharges as well. And so when they're talking about, you know, like YouTube TV keeps getting more expensive, but uh, we got the World Cup. We got college basketball. So I'm on it. Um, but, uh, if I was to get linear cable for, for actually watching television on the cable system, uh, from Comcast, I'd be paying an extra 27 bucks a month now. I think that's not even in the like quoted right rate to me. Cause it's a surcharge. Right. Yes. That's All right. Can, can, can we go off on a little tangent for a minute then? No, never. No, not. Least, never not on this show. No. <laughs> All right. Here's what I gotta, what I understand about people. Right. They're all, you know, we get a lot of talk about your cable or your internet bill cost. You know, in 2022, my increase in my connectivity is irrelevant compared to all the other costs that I'm getting hit with between my property tax, my, you know, food, the gas, the, the electricity. You know, the, the, the $5 that my internet bill went up is, is almost irrelevant. So I, what do people do? With everything else that's going through the roof. They who are they explaining to? They <laughs> to who? Who to, listens? To who? anybody. Have yeah. you ever heard? Of, yeah. They, I mean, they just walk around complaining. Welcome to our society. Oh, see, so I was reading this, you know, I got jacked with 12% property tax increase. And I'm like. No, I, I got a much bigger one than that. Yeah. Okay. So who do, who, do, <laughs> uh, who do I complain to? Well, there's, Travis, there's nobody there's, to complain so to. There's absolutely somebody for the property tax increase. Local governments in Minnesota have truth and taxation hearings. They have two of them, I believe, where you can go and talk to them. And they often do. And I've, as someone who um, knows people that have worked for the city of Minneapolis, they took it seriously. And the more complaints they heard, the more likely they were to, to bring back or bring down the level of, of increase. I mean, that's what's happening right now is that what you got was a 12% proposed increase. If there is enough complaints, you know, if it's more than just the two people that always complain, then they'll start responding to that in, in a number of ways. Okay, 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 um, fair but like my, my electricity bill, like I have a, I have an investor owned electric and gas company and I am far more efficient than I was last year. I mean, my use has just been going down regularly, even as we have a growing child in the house now seven years old today. Um, 
and um yes um, could you hold them up for the screen <laughs> <laughs> I, soon i won't be able to hold them up at all um the uh and anyway like i mean it's crazy to be like oh i'm using like 12 percent less electricity this year than i was last year and my bill is 20 percent higher um in part because of the, the the whole impact across the system from the gas disaster in texas with the natural gas markets getting all screwed up i don't, still don't understand exactly how that worked but like that rippled across everything and then electricity prices go up every four or five years because the investor-owned utility goes to the PUC, the Public Utilities Commission, and says, oh, we desperately have to raise rates by 15%. And then there's a whole proceeding, and then they get to raise their rates by 7%. Uh, and and then they use that money to lobby for all the things they want to do. It's just uh, it's crazy. Well, but like, that's, I, I just want to make sure I want to make sure everybody is equally complaining about everything. Because uh, so I get we I don't know, Kim, do you do a survey? Nobody's you... complaining about three dollar gas. Have you done? Yeah. Well, we we um. So we, we sent out surveys. Three dollar gas here in Utah. Yeah. So uh, I'm uh, I'm jealous of your three dollar gas. Yeah, it's dropped like crazy back here. Well, we did a rate increase in January. Got a survey who came back yesterday, and this person was like, "I'm still disappointed in your rate increase from January." When all the other <laughs> all the other rate increases, like when I go to the grocery store, who am I complaining to? There's nobody to complain to. So, anyways, I just want to make sure. You live in a market economy. Huh? <laughs> you complain to the market. This is, this is how we know that Travis wasn't on Twitter or social media much, because that's where you go to complain. Oh, my God. That's, that's what I, I mean, got out of it. I don't ever look at it. I mean, all it, you it, do to say to them is egg prices doubled this year. Let's be quiet. Yeah. But this is relevant for <laughs> this is relevant for what we're talking about, because um, <laughs> one of the things, and I think of us, Doug probably has the best memory of it, uh, was the complaints in the 80s, in the late 80s, particularly about the cable rates rising so atrociously, led to Congress saying, we're going to do something about it. Now, what they did about it was totally ineffective uh, for a lot of years, uh, but they did. They ended the, the cable monopolies. Um, they tried to regulate the rates, and I learned a lot in just learning the history of that, and that it is very difficult to try to regulate these rates to bring the rates down. Uh, but there are ultimately some consequences for rates going up one way or another. It's just, it's just not rapid. No, here's how they don't learn. They, they tried to regulate the rates twice. After they got killed the first time, they tried it five years later again. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, so yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the answer of what Congress, what Congress ultimately did, is really relevant to what Juan is saying here, which is Congress said we're going to bring competition into it, right? And it hasn't solved all of the issues, but like on telephone and uh, television service, competition has dramatically lowered the cost. Uh, it has not. We don't really have competition in broadband, and so those prices are where we see more significant increases. I think. Well, my blog yesterday there was a. There was 22,000 bills collected by consumer, whatever, consumer reports. And they, their math showed that a number that's still amazingly the same as 15 years ago in that markets with broadband competition had 15% lower rates than markets without. What a shock. So, so what I'm hearing you say, Mr. Mitchell, is we should be the competitive county here, and we should take over and annex part of this, the our area to get lower taxes. We need competition in our taxing body. Well, that's uh, I love something it. that that's there good. are people who say that. Yes. Um, is there really? I, I thought I just made that up. Okay. No. 
I mean, there, there's people who claim government is a monopoly. I mean, government is a monopoly, but they'll talk about <laughs> it more in terms of like how to bring competition to it. And in some cases, it might make sense. But um, when I look at my water bill, I don't think competition is going to help. Um, I think I think the thing that I'd mostly fear <clears throat> is the idea that it should privatize it and I should pay three times as much as I do for water uh, because that's the trend of what happens. Uh, uh, let's uh, we're going to we are going to have a kind of a stop here in eight minutes, uh, in part because uh, I'm uh, obviously <laughs> this is this is going so well without Rye here. But try, we're going to lose Doug uh, at that point. So we'll probably wrap up shortly thereafter. All right. Uh, Ruben, but I do I like Ruben, Ruben's the right com comment there, too, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. come on, guys. Give me all your money okay. and I'll take let's care of all, all your needs. I don't understand. So, like, people have talked about uh, about Elon Musk, like, he's some kind of genius, right? And I've been one of these people because, like, I didn't look closely, but I was like, dang, the Tesla's pretty cool. And, like, it's legit cool. SpaceX, very cool. He got it to work, right? He's in charge. And you look at what he's doing with Twitter and all these people are like business can save the world. And like, he's supposed to be like one of the geniuses and tycoons of American business. And the guy is like, the guy takes over Twitter and he doesn't know that like all the stuff he's trying to do has already been tried and failed. It's a freaking embarrassment. And so when you ask about, uh, about a, uh, a competitor to government, I don't want Elon Musk freaking taking this stuff over. Like, you know, you want to th think of things are going to get things are going to things are bad now. Like they're going to get really bad if we let some of these people. Ooh, take over. I think we have a chicken wing conversation. Yeah, I want to know. Did yeah. you just say that you were wrong about something? Oh, absolutely. I'm wrong about things all the time. Like that's one of the reasons that I feel like I have friends is because I have very strident opinions, but they change occasionally. So I'm I'm a little more <laughs> sufferable than you might think. <laughs> just joking. wow. Chris is sufferable. That's a good. That's I like all. That. I all I know is a hundred. <laughs> is it a hundred million dollars for that map they made, or is it only forty-five? I just want well, to. It's sure. it's in the. It'll be in the hundreds of millions of revenue to cost I, because yeah, of the way they went about yeah. it. But so I'm reading. I'm reading this amazing book right now. I'm looking around like like I'm going to hold up my Kindle and that's going to show you something. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, Mariana Mazzucato's uh, Moonshot. Uh, she is a an economist uh, that has been getting a lot of attention. And the idea is that, um, you know, we should have more um, nimble government intervention in the economy like we did with the moon landing program. And that's not to say that the government should be running Twitter, for instance, but we should have more things like what resulted in the Internet, what got us on the moon. And looking back at how we got on the moon and looking at the way government was structured at that point to make that happen, it's fascinating. And it's not a defense of government. It's a it's a defense of a particular approach to a nimble government that could work well. Uh, and I feel like most of the people who are arguing for more government right now uh, are not sufficiently uh, upset about how inefficient government can be. And we got to fix both of those things. There are more efficient governments around the world, but some of the ones that you think of being very progressive are, are even more caught up in bureaucracy than we are. And it's a tough thing to make efficient. So. But yeah, I mean, I'll just forget like with broadband. Boy, we really are. No, but it is related. I mean, look at Travis. Look <laughs> at your. So St. Louis Park is considered to be very well run, and you see that every day that you're working with different cities, don't you? Yeah, you know what I've noticed though: the smaller cities actually seem to be really well run. Thank I will. I will give them that. It's, it's less the, politicking. It's, it's, it's the large ones. Yeah. I so you know what people that are build, building rural broadband are probably shaking their head when we talk going, what are these problems they're talking about, right? It isn't that big a deal. But I'll tell you what, some of these major cities that we talked, oh, 
man, they have a, they've got a, they have departments I've never even heard of before. And they all want their piece of flesh when you come in. It's not always that easy in Aurora, Travis. You'll get Isn't in it? counties I don't know. Where, there, where there's right-of-way issues caused by the government. You'll get in counties that have 35 bridges to cross, and they won't let you do it. I mean, you can run into some serious Okay, problems, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you know if I mean? there's any railroad running through your town, I, I feel for you. Yeah. When I, I'll just say, like, I feel deeply frustrated when I look at large cities for what you just said, Travis. And when I look at what's happening when people try to do innovative things that are needed to be done there, um, it does seem like it's difficult, but at the same time, that's the economic powerhouse of our country is these cities. And so ah. it's this weird thing where, where it feels like something's obviously going right. And yet, um, obviously it's frustrating to look at and say, all this stuff doesn't work. What are you well, going to say? But, but hold on. You, the key word you said there was innovative and what that really means is different. So what governments seems to be very good, at least from my limited perspective is doing wash, rinse, repeat over and over and over again, right? Boom, boom, boom. If you, no. if you change that and you want to do something different, oh, hell no. Well, this is where I will, I will agree with you that that is the problem of where we are today. But when I look at, and I'm, I'm not an expert on the Apollo moon landings, but like that was government doing things that was brand new, right? Like government is what allowed for uh, the development of the internet. Um, and, and, and like, there was this point at which government was enabling really innovative things. And I think there are governments that, um, you know, are doing innovative things still. And I think Kim knows some of those where they're pushing the limits and they're not just doing rinse and repeat. I think it just depends on the government. I was actually just thinking about that. Like there's some that are trying, but there is a lot of politicking that comes into place and there's a lot of money at stake in government too. And so, yes, I think that there are, there are some governments that are doing some amazing things to push these limits. And I mean, Utopia is an example of it. What government agency in Utah would have created an open access network over, you know, in 2004 when the concept or 2002 when the concept came to play? So there are, but it, they, they take a lot of arrows and you have to be resilient through government to get through some of this to get to the other side. And I have, a quick, I have a quick defense of local government. You should look at what it means to be a city councilman. Oh, I would they have to handle 35 major issues, one after the other, all year long. They each come with a 500-page book, and they're almost impossible to understand. And, and I mean, it's got to be the hardest job in the United States. I, no I have way a lot of respect I ever run for local government. Uh -uh. It seems awful. <clears throat> it's your neighbors who can come. And, and everyone hates you. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is, I mean, this is, I think I would highlight what Ruben just said, which is, you know, if you're frustrated, local government, join that government. Again, one of the things that was fascinating is last, last night as I was drifting off to sleep, reading about the Apollo program, as well as Mercury and uh, forget the other one, but um, was the what level at which people were flocking to government to be doing something new. And I think we see this with municipal broadband to some extent, too. We saw interesting people like the best and the brightest of AT&T and Verizon. Um, not all of them, but significant numbers of them were like, I'm bored with this corporate environment. I want to go run this municipal network somewhere. I'm going to be doing interesting things with the, with this co-op. And, and they've gone out to do that and to do interesting work. And that's, that's the sort of thing we want to celebrate and we need more of. Well, I, think well, it's I am logging off now, folks. So. Bye, Doug. Thank you. It's actually been a, you, Doug. It's a pretty good show, particularly the part. No, you're you're going to miss my secret of how to work with government, but you can watch well, it. I'll, I'll, watch the, I'll watch the. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bye. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, See Doug. You. Kim? I think it is. I think municipal broadband is interesting. And it's for me, I work in municipal broadband. I've been here for 12 years. But the reason I stay and the reason I'm still working is because it's a passion and it's fun. You're fighting against something. If it's the same rinse and repeat every day, yeah, I would be bored. 
because that's not who I am. But there is a spirit that is driving some people here. But there's a lot of people who don't want to go into government because of all the politicking and what's happening. I heard this yesterday that the state of Oklahoma has their broadband director position open and they're, they have it posted for 205,000 and they can't get any applicants as well. I mean, not even applicants. Yeah. Like hmm. they cannot get qualified people. It might be qualified people. I can't say in general, I'm sure somebody will apply for it. <laughs> but um, so it, it, I think it's a balance of, do you really want to deal with the bureaucracy that comes in from working in government versus some of the, the excitement that is here right now as well? Travis, you have secrets for us. All right. I'm going to give you my secret. I've learned after 12 years for dealing with government. Don't be a bull in the China shop. And what I mean by that is when we look at a new area to go into, I'll do three, four, maybe five streets for that summer and make sure that we do a good job. We, we've, we do all the repair. We're not a problem, you know, that we're not, you know, we're just not going to come in there and tear up the whole town because here's, here's what's realistically happened. And I don't want to pick on the, the cellular providers, but they come in like a bull in a china shop with people from not in the area who don't care. They, they destroy the public right away and they leave it for the city to clean up after they leave. So we come in, we do five, six streets, we make it you know perfect. We start getting really good feedback from the city you know, or from the, from the constituents. Guess what happens in year two? Now people aren't sitting in the city council with their arms crossed all mad. They're like, hey, what can we do to help be successful? So prove, prove that you're not a fly-by-night operation. And I think these, most of these cities will welcome you to come to town. You, yeah, and I, I appreciate that. I feel like one of the, the things you draw out is these are reasonable people, you know? Like they well, they're, great, they're great people, yeah. but you know yeah. what they don't want to deal with? They don't want to deal with your mess, right? They really, and I don't blame them. You know, everyone, most of the cities that I've dealt with are like, please just don't destroy the neighborhood. And then I've got every homeowner calling us, complaining or trying to track you down. And I, I've seen some of the other contractors work out there. I don't know what it's like in Kim's area. But it looks like a bomb blew up when they're mm -hmm. done. And it's terrible. Which is a two-way conversation with local officials, too, because they're working under parameters that they can't help either, that it might have been set for 10 years. No. You can't just like think that they're being obtuse for the sake of being obtuse. They might just have some things that they have. Um, yeah. They can't work around. And you just have to make it, hey, I'm trying to get this accomplished. What can we can we do to work together to make this happen instead of being that bull in the China shop mentality? Well, and don't worry, you will run into those uh, difficult people from time to time. You just need to, I mean, it, people, at the end of the day, it's just people, right? So they're, they are going to, you are going to have the challenging ones. You just got to work through it. I've never met a challenging person in my life. I have no idea what you're talking about, Trevor. You need to have dinner with Mitchell. You yeah, had dinner with Mitchell, you know, yeah. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen Mitchell around a few times before. I, I love treat. I love getting him fired up too, though. And, you know, it's usually... I, you know, I don't really, it doesn't matter to me, but I like to, I like to tease him on the tax stuff. Cause that's where he really gets going. You know, I just get going uh, because I feel like a lot of people throw around a lot of things without appreciating uh, the full context. I would um, like to ask the question though, Chris, I, I have to ask it every time. Do we get a fifth FCC commissioner before the end of the year? Before the end of the year? I, I don't know. Um, I think we do before January 5th. Okay. He's making a bet. 
Whoa, 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 whoa! Another bet to win. What are we? Uh, um, what are we betting? I just want to say I had the the best dry rub wings I think I've ever had uh, the other night. Um, I was Where out at? with uh, my team with uh, the folks from the Institute for Local Self Reliance, and uh, um, it was at a place called City Tap. I think there's a couple of different locations in DC and downtown area. Oh, not um, here. Okay, not here. No, no, it wasn't here. But uh, they were they were terrific. And I'm usually more of a sauce guy. So, mm. yep. We had a good dinner. Had some uh, some good root beer. I had um, I had um, uh, uh, Nashville hot chicken and wings, um, or Nashville hot chicken and um, waffles. I mean, and uh, the other W that I love. So I do love that Ruben just blamed his eating habits on you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> hey, are are we gonna do that for next year? Are we gonna go to that broadband connect thing? Are you going, Chris and Kim? I think we should plan on. Yeah, we can talk with them and see if we can do the show really? there. Really, Travis? Fiber Connect, whatever you know, yeah. you pl you platinum flyers, you. I mean, we might know someone pretty important there, so. You don't know, you're not. <laughs> All I want to do is watch you and Kim walk through like celebrities, you know, in this broadband space, and have. Well, that's the one where I'm the least well known. I mean, like oh, you have to go to the broadband communities or Mountain Connect where people know me a little bit more. Oh, all right. Well, then we won't watch you get. You know, we'll watch Kim be, uh, you know, autograph session meet and greet. <laughs> No, but the fiber connect would be fun because, like, that's our audience, right? I mean, like, we could have like two or three people watching the show. Well, that's true. We could double our fan base. Yeah, the hall would be totally packed, and there were <laughs> three people in the front row. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me say that if this is your first show joining us, uh, usually it is run in a much better manner by Rye behind the scenes. Um, and then the few times I've taken it over, I have not epically disappeared for 20% uh, of the show. So this was a first for us. And I'm glad that that Travis and uh, Doug were able to be blissfully ignorant of my absence and Kim just covered. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah but you left me on spotlight the whole time. So I'm just sitting there. Yeah, I'm sitting. So I pulled it back up on my other computer and I was like, behind the, I'm backstage and I'm like, I have to figure out Rye, Rye was supposed to be on vacation today. He's actually not feeling great. So I don't want to like bother him with it. So I'm just like, all right, I'll just have to figure out how to get this stupid machine back up and the peripherals working again. Like, I'll just say, well, Travis, I used Max. I used the Apple platform for three years and it was not better than my experience on PCs. Uh, so maybe I just got a couple of lemons, but I was not impressed. Uh, sir, you run a Pixel phone too. We've disqualified your technical choices at the beginning of the show, sir. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I got my Pixel watch. And you're, oh, you have a Pixel watch. Too. It's too small, but it's no, all right. You know what? I love you, man, but we couldn't be any different. That's why I like it, you know, <laughs> except for our hardcore love of pinball and chicken wings. What's it's, it? it's when you get the green text, it kind of was like, oh, gosh. Oh, I know. I'm like, who's this? Oh, it's Mitchell. <laughs> or I can't or I can't copy and paste the funny memes to him. I have to I have to, like, you know, make a picture and send it. And then all my friends laugh at the joke. And Chris is like. Well, you know, during the Woodrow Wilson administration. Well, actually. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, oh. So I tell my friends, I'm like, hey, I'm going to send this to my buddy Chris and watch his reaction, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that actually isn't true. You know, back in the 17, 18, you know, whatever. I'm like, ha, look. <laughs> yeah, but, like, that's the thing, right? Is that, like. <laughs> I mean, I'll 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 say that like some of them are funny, and I told you how I would improve one of them to be even funnier, even though it was not my politics. But he you know critiques what? memes. Chris critiques memes. He's yeah. that guy. Oh, he does. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah, which which I think is, but you know, my son does too. So that's why. For for anyone who for yeah. anyone who hasn't seen it, 
XKCD, someone is wrong on the internet. Just do a quick internet search for it. If you haven't seen the comic, that is my life. And I've come to grips with it. But you know what, Chris? I will say my life is substantially better knowing you. So thank you. <laughs> Yet again, a well, insult to me. Thank we, you, Travis, two in one day. Yes. We <laughs> we well, Kim, that's, I mean, you're, you're a celebrity. What can I say? I'm just an honor that you're in my phone, which actually does bring up a little story where I did have one day somebody said, hey, do you know the people at Utopia? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. I'm kind of a big deal that way. And I bet she'd even answer my phone if I called her right now. So thank you, Kim, for the street cred. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> nice. We are going to be back in 13 days with much more technical expertise. And we'll be reflecting on the year, I think. Or maybe we won't. Who knows? We'll be doing. I'll tell you this. If you're in the chat, you can help drive the show. Because we are narcissists. And we want to think that people actually like us. So uh, you should put in questions in the chat. And then we'll respond to them uh, for the most part. So uh, we're going to be back, though, in 13 days. And uh, that'll be the last show of the year. And uh, should be fun. But uh, this has been an error-prone and stomach-rumbling edition of Connect This. Connect this.